When we moved from Aruba to Sweden, we weren't really sure what to do with our home in Aruba. We didn't want to sell the space that had so many memories and offered us a place to stay when we returned to the island. But what else could we do after moving internationally? That's when my husband came up with a brilliant plan. We can become hosts on Airbnb. Since starting this, I can officially say my husband had the best idea ever. The process of getting our property on Airbnb was so easy. We were able to ask other hosts for tips and got a lot of great feedback. And actually, we still get tons of good feedback and we're constantly improving our space. And Airbnb is really flexible. You just choose the dates you want to host. So if you don't have a full-time rental property like us, that's perfect too. Hosting on Airbnb is great for anyone who frequently travels or has the extra space or has a seasonal house or even someone who always goes away at the same time of year for family traditions or work events. We all know the cost of living is excessive right now, so you can get more out of your space when you host on Airbnb. The added income has been so important for my family and has given my husband a project to manage that he genuinely enjoys. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. It is late over here. I uh, normally record these podcasts in the morning or in the middle of the day, and I'm looking outside right now and I cannot see anything. It is pitch black, late at night, and it is the eve of me doing something that feels totally radical and crazy and wild, but also absolutely sensible and genius and perfect. I am going on a trip tomorrow. I haven't really spoken about this on the show. I don't know. There's been so much going on. (laughs) Mercury has just been retrograding into like mayhem. There's been so much going on every week. I've had something major to talk about, but I have booked a trip. I, I, I don't really know how this, well, I kind of know how this came about. Maybe I shared this. Did I share this already? I, I can't really remember, but I decided when Dennis was away a couple of weeks back that I want to take a trip for myself. And it's one of those things that just started off as like a little seed that sprouted. And then I just went ahead and booked something. So tomorrow I'm getting on a plane with a friend. I'm going to go to Costa Rica, not for one week, but for two weeks. And I say that with so much (laughs) trepidation and hesitancy, because as of right now, I just feel absolutely terrible about this decision. And um, I, I, I mean, I, and I feel terrible about saying that I feel terrible about this decision. So going on a trip on my own is the most blessed, privileged, I mean, amazing thing ever. I mean, I should just be so grateful that, first of all, I have the means and I have the ability to go take a trip for myself, that I have a husband who's basically kicking me out of the house. Like he so badly wants me to go take space for myself and nourish myself. Like I do that so rarely for him. He has a couple times every year. He does these Ironman races with his friends and it's this big, big trip for him where he gets to fill his cup. And every time he goes, he says, you should do it too. You should just go with a friend, go somewhere. And I'm like, where would I go? With who would I go? Why would I go? Like, what about Leia? What about you? You know, I just, I just don't do that thing. 
And he's just so, I mean, he's so supportive, really wants me to go. I have a friend who really wants to go with me. I have friends over there that I'm going to be meeting. And I should just be stoked about this amazing opportunity, right? And right now it's it's late at night. I, I leave tomorrow morning and I just feel, I feel panicked. <laughs> okay. I feel panicked. I feel really, really guilty about having made this decision. And maybe that's why I ended up making this decision so quickly. I just like had this idea and then I booked it and everything was kind of set in stone, but then I didn't think about it anymore. It was like, it happened really quickly, like pulling off a bandaid, except the bandaid is like this magical trip I get to take. And I just feel so guilty right now. I feel, I feel terrible. (laughs) I feel that it's like the epitome of mom guilt. I just... I feel like I am leaving my daughter behind. Okay, let me take a moment just to like really feel into what I'm feeling right now. (sighs) Yeah, I feel like I'm leaving my daughter behind. She's already had, and I was talking about this in therapy, like of course the other day, and I was sharing like she's already had a really tough year. I mean, this was the year we lost everything. We lost all of our routine. She lost her home. She lost her room. She lost all of her belongings. She lost her normalcy. You know, I mean, like everything has just been upside down. And I really feel like the one steady thing that she has had this year has been me. Like I have been a rock for her this year. And I know I have been. I mean, I've been a superstar. Okay. I can give myself that. Like in terms of motherhood this year, I have cushioned every blow for this kid I have put her first in every possible way. I mean, I have really killed myself to make these transitions as smooth and gentle and, you know, as less, the least amount of scary and terrible possible. And now I feel like, and here I am at this stage at the end of the year, and all of a sudden I'm just going to leave her, you know, I'm just up and leaving And then I tell myself, and I'm not even leaving for like a good reason, because in my brain, a good reason to leave, to take a trip for two weeks and leave your daughter behind, like, which of course, like I'm not even leaving her behind. I'm just, I'm just going away for a little bit. But in my head, a good reason or an acceptable reason would be work, right? And isn't it funny how we, how we do this? I think about this so often that whenever there's work and also in my past, if I've ever had to work, I can justify like doing what I have to do, right? I left Leia when she was four weeks old. Okay. I didn't leave the country, but I led a retreat when she was four weeks old. I mean, like, and, and it wasn't like I was gone all day, but I would leave to go to teach classes, to go to dinners, to go do meals, to go spend time with participants. And every bone in my body was screaming at me to not, you know, I didn't want to leave her for 30 seconds. And I had this commitment. I had to go do this retreat, you know? And then when she was three months, I had another one. And then when she was five months, I had another one. And then when she was seven months, eight months, uh, I had a yoga teacher training that took me away from her for 23 days, all day, literally all day for 23 days. And I had all of those commitments then. And because it was work, it was like my brain would tell me, you got to do what you got to do. You know, there's no way around this. You can't cancel this. Like, this is it. You just like pull yourself together and go work. 
And I remember I had one of those. It was in the middle of that teacher training when she was eight months. I also happened to have a class at a festival in Los Angeles in the middle of that training. So I had to leave and it was like we had a guest teacher there, but I had to leave for 48 hours, go to LA, do this thing, come back. Or was it a a class? Maybe it was a photo shoot. It was something that at the moment when it was booked felt like this is so important. Oh yeah. It was a, a cover shoot for women's health magazine, which of course I couldn't turn down. Right. And it was work and it was so important. And all of those things, every time I left her, it just felt terrible, awful, but I also could kind of swallow the guilt or cover the guilt up with, I got to do what I got to do because it's work. Right. So in my brain, I can justify doing almost anything under the label of work. And when it comes to this, what I'm doing right now, which really just is this big, big, big offering to myself of self-care, of self-love. Like that's what this trip really is. And that my mind cannot compute, right? My mind cannot allow me My brain, this narrative in my head cannot allow me or accept that I am for self-care. I'm taking a trip, right? Like if it was for work, like, okay, that would have been fine. But just for joy, (laughs) for well-being, no, not okay, not okay. And as I'm telling you this, I mean, I'm kind of smiling because I can hear the ridiculousness of it all, but I just want to really share this super truthfully, because I know I'm not the only one who feels this way and not just about something like this, but like the everyday stuff, the mom guilt, the parent guilt, like it eats away at me at times. It really does. And this day, you know, it's like my last day with Leia before I leave. I've now built this trip up in my head. I put it on a massive pedestal. It's like, I'm not going to Costa Rica anymore, which is like, a four hour trip away. No, I'm going to the moon. You know, it's like a huge thing in my brain right now. I'm like stepping off the face of the earth for this crazy thing. And and I'm like telling myself like, this is my last day with Leia. I have to really be here and like soak up every moment with her. Like in my head, I made this trip into this end of the world thing, right? Instead of just enjoying the anticipation and the excitement of going away. (laughs) And it's fucking ridiculous. It really is fucking ridiculous. Like who came up with this shit? And it is something so particular to motherhood. And I don't want to like, you know, label everyone as like all moms are this way or all dads are this way. But as far as I can tell in my own investigation and my own conversations and my community and friends, This isn't really a thing for dads in the same way. And I really have been wondering about that. Like, what is it about motherhood that really makes us feel like the wiggle room we have to do anything for ourselves, anything that isn't for the family, anything that isn't for work, anything that isn't for the children. Like there's no wiggle room there for us to do anything for ourselves without feeling kind of shitty about it at the same time. And I guarantee you, when my husband goes and does his Ironman things, he does not give a shit. 
he, I mean, and I love this man. Like I, I, he's the love of my life. I love him so much, but there is not a bone in his body that feels bad about leaving. I mean, there's no narrative in the back of his head where he's telling himself this crazy saga of how is my kid going to make it when I'm away? You know? No, I mean, please. That thought has never occurred to him that I wonder if they're going to be okay. Like, or maybe I shouldn't go or, you know, he just knows what he wants to do. He knows he has this thing. Racing makes him feel good. Racing makes, it's like him filling his own cup so he can come back and be a great dad and be a great husband and be a great boss and like just be a great feel good about life. Right. So like, this is this thing he does a couple times a year. No big deal. Like there's nothing more to it than that. So for him before a trip, he feels so much excitement, you know, that anticipation, like he gets nervous, but in a good way, like you don't see him like crying as he puts Leia to sleep the day before a race or the day before he leaves for a race. No. (laughs) And guess what I was doing fucking one hour ago, (laughs) putting my kids to bed. (laughs) Like I'm an idiot. I just, I am an idiot, but I also know I am not alone. I'm like reading for her. And then I'm like, okay, you know, tucking her in. And I'm like, this is like my last night tucking her in for two whole weeks. Oh my God. And I'm hugging her. And then she, I think she's asleep. And then she turns around and she gives me a little kiss on the cheek. And she's like, I love you, mama. And I'm like, (laughs) and I'm like trying for her not to see that I'm crying. Right. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like why? And I'm not just crying like because I love her so much and I'm going to miss her. Like I wish that was it. Right. Like the love we feel for our kids is enough to give us a lot of feelings before ever spending time away from them, no matter how much we want to get away. Right. Because we all want to get away. We love our children, but we need space. (laughs) These things can exist at the same time. Like it's not either or, right? Like we love our kids more than anything in this world, but we need alone time, right? And it's just such a, I mean, it's such a, such a, such a intense thing to just love them this amount. Like I, sometimes I feel so overwhelmed by the love for my child that it's, it's just hard to move through my day. Like that's enough, that level of emotion. But for moms, for most moms, not all moms, but a lot of moms, It's not just that emotion, but it's also the guilt of, am I majorly fucking them up by making this decision for myself right now? And I know there's people listening to this right now who feel this way about going to a yoga class, about like telling your kids, no, I need an hour to myself right now, about going out for drinks with friends, about taking a night away, a weekend away. I mean, a week, two weeks. I'm already measuring myself in my head, like how terrible of a mom am I taking two weeks? I could have taken one, right? I could have been the better mom and just taken a weekend. Come on. I mean, we all know the best mom takes no time for herself. Like you win at momming if you completely sacrifice your own well-being and you never do anything for yourself ever, right? That's winning, right? (laughs) I mean, it's so stupid. It really, really is. But I can even like tell in my head. Are you ready for spring? 
I sure am. Over here in Sweden, I make it my business to get outside and get some sunlight on my skin each and every day. But in the winter, that can be really hard and your body will feel the effect of that. Did you know that 97% of women ages 19 to 50 are not getting enough vitamin D from their diet? Luckily, Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% in a clinical study. Ritual is a clinically backed multivitamin for women 18 plus with high quality and traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. You get nine key nutrients in two delayed release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption. And the best part, you can trust what you are putting in your body because Ritual has the USP verified mark. That means that the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. And only 1% of supplement brands are able to get this mark. So it's a big deal. Rituals multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp and made traceable. I have taken Ritual for years because of reasons like this. I love knowing that the ingredients in my vitamins are actually doing their job. Otherwise, what's the point? No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash yoga girl. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash yoga girl for 25% off. So the reason I'm going for two weeks, which I really feel I need, like I need to justify it because it feels like a nonsensical amount of time. It feels crazy feels like way too much time. I was supposed to go for one week with a friend of mine from Aruba, one of my best friends here. And to get to where we're going, it's like we have to stay in San Jose, which is the capital of Costa Rica, for a day going in and a day going out. So in the end, it's like we kind of only have four and a half, five, almost like four and a half, five days in this place. And Costa Rica is my second home, right? So I have so many friends and so many people I want to see. And also a part of me was like four and a half days, like, like I'm going to just like get there and then my shoulders are going to drop for me to relax. And then I got to go back home, you know? So I was like, nah, let me just like, I'll stay one more, stay a couple more days. Like, that's fine. I'll just, I'll make it 10 days. And then the flights go like once a week at the same specific time. So I have to leave on the same day as I came. Right. So then I was like, well, it's okay. I can do two weeks. That's fine. That's fine. They'll be fine. It's just four more days than 10 days. And I was going to try to do 10 days. So like 14, that's fine. And now I'm looking at this amount of time and it's like two weeks without my daughter, (laughs) two weeks without my husband, two weeks leaving my husband in charge of my daughter. (laughs) What? (laughs) What is going to happen? What? How is this going to go? Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> so I, um, I want to try, I mean, I really, really do. I want to try to channel a bit of the dad energy for myself for this trip and focus on myself more than I do them. And that's kind of a, it's a hard thing to do if you've been codependent with another person, the way I have been almost my whole entire life. It's hard to do if you've ever suffered through trauma and you have some attachment like issues. And I have a lot of that. I mean, it is, it is, I have a really hard time directing all of my awareness to me and mine. You know, actually it makes me a little bit uncomfortable. I prefer it. And I realized this through therapy 
the thing I used to think was really difficult and annoying, like why am I always thinking about everybody else, is actually the comfortable space for me. I like it when there's issues for me to fix. I kind of thrive when other people need me for stuff. So when all of a sudden nobody needs me anymore, you know, the idea of like, I'm going to have two weeks where no one is going to ask me for anything. I'm going to have two weeks when just no one, no one is going to look to me to fix or solve or do, or like there's, there's none of that. Like I'm going to have two weeks where I can sleep in every day. Okay. I'm almost crying. (laughs) I'm almost crying at the thought of getting to sleep in every day for two weeks. So I guess my true colors are showing now. I guess this is how I really feel. (laughs) When I was talking to my therapist about this and I was saying, you know, Leia already had such a hard year and now I'm going to make her suffer. And she was like, are you sure that's true? I was like, what do you mean? She's like, well, is, are you sure that's a true statement? Like oftentimes we, we tell ourselves these things And we just like align and solidify them as like, this is what it is. But are you sure? Like, has she had a really tough year? And then when I really zoom out a little bit and I think about it and I look at the reality, you know, she has not had the grief that Dennis and I have been through this year. Um, She's not had the, the panic, you know, that feeling of like everything is falling apart. I mean, she's had a pretty like magical trip to Sweden, like a really, really beautiful time in Sweden. There's been some challenges, right? But I think when I really look at her year from her experience, it's been this really beautiful adventure. I mean, and if I look at her just as the kid she is, like, do I see a kid that's suffered this year? Do I see a kid that's like damaged or super challenged or hurt? It's like, no. You know, I see a kid that's, I mean, she's just thriving. I mean, thriving and so trusting and so calm and so easy and beautiful and fun to spend time with. Like we don't, we don't have any issues with Leia. And I have to knock on all the wood as I say that, because I know as soon as you get really comfortable with parenting, like they throw you a curveball and everything falls apart. (laughs) As soon as you say, everything's perfect. My kid is like everything's great. Then something really hard happens, but no, honestly. And then, and then I was just, my therapist was saying like, don't you think, you know, is it possible that Leia hasn't had a hard year at all? That she's like had a really amazing time and she got to experience family and the forest and nature and lots of time alone with you. And now this exciting change of moving to Sweden and, you know, it's like maybe she's had a great year. And I'm like, well, yeah, there's the potential of that, you know, and who hasn't had a great year? Well, it's me. <laughs> if I really look at it, the one that's had a really hard year is it's me, right? So that part of me that, that booked this trip, like I, I really feel like there's a higher part of me, my higher self went ahead and booked this trip in this moment of just speaking clearer and louder than my inner guilt, than my inner critic, than my inner judgment. Like for sure, there's this really, really loving part of myself that booked this trip for myself because deep down, I know like I need this. 
I do. I do. I, I need it. I need it so badly. I mean, who doesn't fucking need it? I mean, we all need it. We all deserve <laughs> two weeks off, like just a break and not a break because like, oh, everything about my life is terrible. Like, no, so much is beautiful in my life, but also so much is really, really hard. And it's been more than anything, a year of me holding everything together right? Of me really scrambling to hold everyone and everything. And I am, I was going to say, I'm really looking forward. (laughs) Then I stopped myself because am I, am I allowed to look forward? (laughs) I am really looking forward to two weeks of me focusing on me. Like, yeah, that's the truth. That's the truth. That's the truth. And just speaking to you about this now is helping me make sense of some of this. Like I can feel my shoulders dropping a little bit and yeah, I mean, (laughs) so typical, you know, who who, it's so typical for me to have this really beautiful, exciting, awesome thing happening. And for my inner critic, my inner mom guilty person to just shit all over my excitement. And it's funny because I could have been in a place where no one is cheering me on, right? I could have had a husband who's like really negative to this idea, who doesn't want to parent alone for two weeks, who feels like this would be a drag and am I going to go over there and spend a bunch of money? You know, I could have had any kind of partner who is like not at all into this. Instead, I have a partner who's literally books my ticket, who literally like helps me every step of the way, who every day has been asking me, like, are you excited? Are you, you know, who's kind of jealous, but in a good way, like in a positive way. It's like, I'm going to wake up early and you're going to hear the waves and just, you're going to feel so free. You're going to have such a good time. And, you know, he's just cheering me on every step of the way. So my, my biggest problem as always is myself. (laughs) Like it really just is myself. And um, to me, talking to Leah about this, I decided, and I wanted to share a little bit of this process because I know I feel like it could be helpful. A lot of things I do around parenting, I don't feel like it's valuable for me to share because everybody just does the same. But I'm realizing more and more, not everyone parents the same. And there's people out there who really likes to hear different kinds of input, you know? Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks. So just imagine what you could do in a full year. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. I have always loved learning languages. I speak four fluently. They're so interesting. And I've even noticed that sometimes the language you speak can influence pieces of your personality. Learning my husband's native language made us understand each other on a whole new level. Now Babbel has gifted me my own account and I can't wait to dive in. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you actually start speaking a new language. It's designed by real people for real conversations. 
And their advanced speech recognition is like having your own personal language coach to help you improve your pronunciation so you can get prepped and confident for real-world conversations. Just 15 hours with Babbel is equal to one university semester. Overall, they have more than 13,000 hours of learning content, and you can browse more than 20,000 courses offered every month. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash yoga. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash yoga, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash yoga. Rules and restrictions may apply. So this is what I have done for this trip. And of course, I don't know if it's going to work yet. I don't know if it's going to be this thing that works out well or, or not, but what I feel whenever there has been a change, and this I've done all year. So whenever there is a change in routine for Leia, whether that is a one day kind of thing, for instance, on Friday, she has a, a field trip with school and they're going to the butterfly farm, which is the super cute place here in Aruba. And her day is different, right? Like her day is going to be shorter. They're going to go on the school bus. She's going to bring her own lunch you know, at school, they start talk, they start talking about the butterfly farm about a week in advance. And then they touch on it every day that week. And at home, I touch on it every day, you know, on Friday, we have this coming just a little bit, especially the last like two or three days before the thing comes. So she's really prepared and she really knows what's coming the next day. You know, same thing when, you know, she has swim class two days a week, we talk about that the day before. So she knows what's coming the next day. If someone's coming to visit, if we're changing something in routine, we're going out to eat. Like I just make a habit of not treating her like a child. Like she just has to follow along and I'm the one leading the way, you know, like she has no control of her own life. But I talk to her the way I talk to Dennis. Like, here's the plan. Here's our week. Here's, this is what we're doing. This is where we're going. How do you feel about that? Are you excited? Do you want to do that? you know, anything I can help you to prepare. And we just, I think in our family, we really spend a lot of time talking things through. And when we have bigger changes, like changes that I can anticipate being difficult, which have happened now throughout this year. I mean, we've been living in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven Airbnbs. <laughs> Yay. Six or seven, six yeah, say six Airbnbs this year. Every time it's been time for us to transition, like it's time for us to move from one Airbnb to the other or travel somewhere a week out, because I feel like two weeks is too much time for a four-year-old. Like, like it, she doesn't really have the concept of that amount of time. So if I would prepare her with too much time in advance, she would get stressed about it. Like, I feel like she, she just gets overwhelmed because she doesn't know when the thing is happening. But about a week, I feel is really good. Maybe 10 days, but I think a week is good. And I'll start talking about in just this very neutral way that, you know, on Thursday next week, we are going to go to a new house. And I explain, it's time for us. Our time in this house is up and we're going to go to a new house. And that house is, is going to be over there, you know, next to this forest. And, and I just share things about that area. Like there's a playground there and, you know, and then I let her talk to me about it and share. And she always has questions, you know, why, why can't we stay here? And, and sometimes she's really loved a place and she's been sad about it, but I don't want to leave here. And sometimes she cries about it. And then I give her space to cry. And if she's sad, I affirm her sadness. Oh, looks like you're sad. 
Are you feeling sad? I can tell, you know, and sometimes I'll say I'm sad too. And I'll just join her in that feeling. If that's true for me, I just give her space to cry or sit on my lap and we don't have to do anything with that feeling. Just feel the feeling, right? And then whatever questions she has about the new place. And then every single time, a couple days before we go, I show her pictures of where we're going. Like, this is the house. This is what it looks like. And that's been the good thing about Airbnb is like, you can find all of that. So I've shown her the whole house and we go through all the pictures. She gets to pick her room or we decide which one of the rooms is going to be her room and kind of, you know, just give her this image of here is what's happening. And by doing that and kind of counting down the days and really preparing for this thing that's coming, it's made the actual transition, like getting there super smooth. We haven't had a single, the the one challenging transition we had was our first time, like leaving Aruba, going to Sweden alone. And that transition was time spent without Dennis because she's never been without Dennis. So that one was, was challenging, but every other transition has been super smooth and she was able to let go of the old place and be excited about the new place. And when we got there, she already knew what to expect, right? So with this trip, I've done the same thing. And the challenge this time has been for me to not infuse my anxiety about the trip to her, right? Or for me to not lead with guilt, right? Because I could oversell this thing, right? I could make it into like a, um, you know, like when I feel guilty about something, I'm going on this trip, but you're going to have this amazing time with Papa and you and Papa are going to do this and you're going to do that. And then, and then Mama's going to be right back home. I'm going to be back. It's going to feel like so fast and don't worry. We're going to talk every day. Like I could go into this frantic thing, which is how I really feel, but I don't want to leave my feelings onto her, dump how I feel about this trip onto her. Because chances are she doesn't feel anything about this trip. Chances are she doesn't think about this trip in that way at all. Chances are in her mind, mama's going on a trip. I'm going to be home with dad. Okay, that's it. That's the end all be all. And by me sharing a lot of my guilt or anxiety with her, trying to make it something else, I think that increases the likelihood of her attaching a feeling to this trip that maybe isn't even hers in the first place, right? She can tell mama feels bad about going. Should I feel bad about going? Right? So I just shared about a week ago, mama's taking a trip and she said, Oh, can I come? And I said, no, this is a grown up trip. I'm going with the vet. I'm going with my friend. It's a, it's a grown up trip. Oh, that's okay. I'm going to, I'm going to stay home with Papa then. And I said, okay. And then that's it. She didn't ask anything. We just moved on. And the next day I just reminded her again, you know, mama's going to go on this trip and, and I shared, I'm going to bring the suitcase home from the studio. And, you know, if you want, you can help me pack. Or she said, yes. And maybe I'll make you a letter and I'll put a letter in your bag. And then she tells a story about something and then so-and-so. And then she would ask Papa, but what are we going to do when mama is away? And then, you know, we, they would talk about that. And it just became this, like, she got to bring her own feeling into the trip instead of me saying, this is hard, this is sad, we're going to be away, it's terrible, you know. And then every day we talk about it a little bit more because I don't want it, I don't want this to be an abstract thing that we talk about and all of a sudden she has to say goodbye to me and she's going to have a complete meltdown and separation anxiety and what is going on, you know, that's basically what we're trying to avoid. So we've done this now for a week, kind of every day, touching on it more and more. And then today, 
It's the last day before I leave. We made a calendar. We sat down together and we made a calendar with 14 days and she got to write it out. One, two, three, you know, all the numbers on her own to 14. And then I put the date of each day, like day one, the first day without mom is October 15th. And then we decorated it and drew some flowers and hearts and things, taped it on her wall right next to her bed. And we hung a little pen on a string (laughs) next to it so that every day when she wakes up, she gets to cross off a day. And she got so excited about this just as a little project that every morning she gets to wake up. It's like a Christmas calendar or something. And the best thing is the day after I come home, she has Halloween celebration at school. So she has like this major thing that happens at the end of the calendar too. Like we added an extra little day for Halloween and she just has it so clear in her mind. You know, every day I wake up, I'm going to cross one day and it's going to be one day, two day, three day. And on 14, you come home and on 15 is Halloween at school. You know, she's just stoked about all of this. But as we were doing this today and just kind of having this moment and you know, I, I, I realized that actually the way I prepare her for life, in a sense, the way I just give her extra space to understand what's happening, extra space to know where we're going, extra space to feel feelings or ask questions or have her experience around it, the more I feel ready <laughs> for life. And I feel like we don't do this enough for ourselves. I don't know. Like I take such care, I mean, doing this for her in so many different ways that I, that I really can tell are just so helpful. Like she suffered from separation anxiety when she was like two, maybe we had some hard times like going to daycare and stuff. And that's when I really started to implement like, oh, I realized like I'm not talking to her enough. I would just like, in my head, I know, and Dennis knows we're going to the grocery store. And after that, we're going to go to the playground or, but like, she didn't know, you know, and just because she was so little, I was just like, well, she's just tagging along. Like she's just hang coming along with the family. Whereas I shifted that from, okay, well, she's a human being who needs to be spoken to as if she understands things, right? Because she does and she listens. And even at a really young age, like they get it, you know, so much more than we, than we believe. We don't give them enough credit, I think. And I, I like the idea of just having this level of care and kindness and preparation and organization and support for myself. (laughs) Like I really would like to, I I, I would like to mother myself just 5% of of how I mother my daughter. If I could just take care of myself with 5% of the care and compassion and total understanding and forgiveness and patience. I mean, I just, I was just sitting with that today as I was like crying next to her as she was falling asleep. It's like, man, motherhood is all consuming. It is everything. It is morning till evening. It is my, it it is, it's become my whole life, right? And that's what parenthood is. But in that sense, I don't know if we lose ourselves more as we become parents or if we just realize as we parent another being, how lost we've been, right? 
because there's something to that as well as we as we start to really love unconditionally this other being in our lives it becomes really evident and clear how we sort of fail at doing that for ourselves and this goes i mean even if you're not a parent it also goes for just how you care for other people for the people that you love how beautifully and kindly you speak to your best friend when your best friend is having a hard time and then think about that and then think about how you speak to yourself when you're when you're struggling right it's like me these these past weeks i have been so judgmental so negative so harsh and really mean to myself like telling myself i'm a shitty mom like what kind of a mom like disappears on her kid for two weeks. Who does that for no good reason? Like I've had that narrative in the back of my head for weeks for no good reason. And I was even trying to like justify it to myself because I have a, I have a new book idea. I have, there's a book I want to write and I've been telling myself, well, I'm going to have so much space now that I'm in Costa Rica. I'm going to feel so inspired. I'm going to be so creative. Maybe I'll like write the whole outline of the book. You know, I'm I'm telling myself that maybe this trip will be productive. (laughs) Because if this trip is productive, then I can justify it as okay. If I come home and I wrote the outline of a new book and I can pitch that to my agent or, you know, then then it, it, will be a, it will be a good trip. Or if I come home and I'm so invigorated, I can just work extra when I come home, then it's, it's okay for me to go. And what am I telling and showing my daughter by talking to myself in that way, by keeping that narrative in the front of my brain? I mean, really, because, you know, our kids, they don't do what we say, you know, they do what we do. They're watching us and feeling us every moment of the day. And I can be telling her all sorts of beautiful fairy tales around self-love and self-care and taking space and time for yourself. But then she's going to see my actions, you know, and see me sitting with all of this guilt to go on a trip or see me throughout my life justify doing anything for work and then having a really hard time doing even a little bit of that for self-care. And a a friend of mine was saying that um, just like right as I booked the trip, like, oh, you should just like say you're going for work, you know, say you're going to like, just think of something really clear that she can understand. You You just have to go do this thing. And it's kind of like, if Dennis and I are just talking, sometimes she'll interrupt. But if I tell her, hey, we're, we're working now, we're talking about work, then she won't interrupt. Then she's really good at just, okay, she gets, there's a different energy there work is serious. We don't interrupt work. Or if I say mama has to go record a podcast now, she's so good. Mama's recording a podcast. Everyone has to be quiet. Like she will never knock on this door. If I've told her I'm recording a podcast, but if I say I'm practicing yoga, I'm drinking tea, mama's meditating, mama's reading a book, like whatever, I'm doing something else then, I mean, she's going to, she's going to follow me into that room, like no questions asked. And why is that? Right? Why is that? Even if I say I need some space, I need to be alone. Mama wants to read this book. She's still going to follow me eventually and start to talk to me and, and ask me questions. But if I say I'm working, she won't. Well, it's because I've spent her entire life showing her that it's not acceptable for me to not work. 
right? That I have to work. This is serious. No one can question it. This is the energy around work. Do not disturb me. This is important. Work is important. But the energy around self-care is kind of loosey-goosey, right? Self-care is like, ah, it's okay if it doesn't happen. You know, it's okay. Maybe I don't need to be alone right now. Or yeah, you can come on, come over here to my yoga mat. And, and you know, part of that is I like to invite her into those moments in my life. But also, I don't value self-care in my own <laughs> patriarchally conditioned capitalistic brain that I've grown up with through this society, I don't value self-care the same way I value work, which is why if this trip was a work trip, I would have no problem going. I would not feel as guilty, but I feel guilty because it's a trip for me. And what kind of a woman do I want her to grow up and become? Do I want her to grow up and become the kind of person like I have been most of my life? that never not working, the workaholic, like super pressure, really stressed, accomplished, produce, 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 create, you know, that kind of energy? Or do I want her to grow up with this softness and this super important ability to choose herself above and beyond everything else? For her to choose herself and put herself above work and put joy and play above work. And at least to grow up with this different kind of mindset where it's okay for me to take self-care seriously. It's okay for me to take my needs seriously. And I would love for her to become the kind of woman who knows how to prioritize what she needs, you know, regardless of what's going on in her life. But that is not what I'm modeling for her if I continue acting in that way, showing her that work matters, work matters, work matters, self-care, eh, not so much. So I decided, you know, when she asks, like, well, when I tell her, what is this trip that I'm going to say? It's for joy. It's for fun. It's for play. You know, mama needs some time to just be alone. And I shared, you know, so you know how sometimes mama goes to yoga class because I need some space. Well, now I just, I just need a little more space just to take care of myself. And she was like, oh, okay, but that's okay. Papa and I will take some space too. <laughs> I was like, yeah, and they actually will, right? I would love for her, or I would love to model for her that it's not just okay to go take time for yourself, to take care of yourself, but it's, that's a non-negotiable thing too, right? Like that's the kind of mother I really want to be. I want her to see that and celebrate that much more than she celebrates producing or accomplishing or, you know, making something out of herself or this idea that, that, that we all grew up with of here's what we're supposed to be doing, right? We're supposed to work. We're supposed to be good and do good and make good things and climb the ladder and make money and, and all these other things. A consistent body care routine is really important part of my self-care. I feel so much better when my skin is looking and feeling good. It's such a small thing that has a big impact on your overall day for your well-being. A consistent body care routine doesn't just promote healthy, glowing skin. It actually boosts our mental health, too. So give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven seaweed-infused skincare that provides results you can see and confidence that you can feel. Osea's Andaria Algae Body Butter is not your typical body butter. 
It transforms dry, crepey skin to smooth, soft, and supple skin. And it's my absolute favorite. I use Osea's products religiously and I have been for years. It really is the best out there. One of the best parts about the body butter is that it's non-greasy. I hate putting on body lotion and feeling slippery and sticky all day, but Osea's body butter absorbs right into your skin, leaving you feeling hydrated and ready to make the best of whatever is next on your agenda. And it's been shown to hydrate you for 72 hours after applying. Skincare is self-care, so this is a habit worth keeping all year round. With Osea, you will get clean, seaweed-infused products from a company with over 27 years of experience, making sure they are the safest for your skin and the planet. All of Osea's products are vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out with clean skin and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code YOGA at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use the code YOGA for 10% off. This is an opportunity for me to just share with her something completely different. So I have been really clear and I will continue to be really clear that there is no big purpose in this trip other than me wanting to feel good right and of course it's a hard balance to share and she's four and a half and she is so smart I mean she understands so I mean she understands everything I feel like I talk to her like (laughs) almost at the same level that I would talk to some of my friends I mean she's really comprehend. I mean, she's a Pisces. She listens. She feels. She's so there. And it's hard, of course, to say like, you know, if it will get to that place, well, why can't I, why can't she be there for that, right? For this taking care of yourself. And what does it mean really to need space from people that you love? And that's something that I'm defining still for myself, you know, and it's, it's kind of, a, it's, it's been, sometimes I find it easy to explain that because she needs space sometime, sometimes. And we talk about that a lot, that um, if she has a friend over and they get really intense with each other, or sometimes they just are in her face a lot. And then I can see she gets frustrated. So we've really talked about that, that at any time you can always say, oh, I need some space right now. Instead of saying, you're stupid, go home, which is what she used to say. I share, you know, we we can say anytime I need a little bit of space right now. And you can always just walk to the other room or come sit with mama or do something else. Sometimes we need space. And she likes that. Like sometimes she'll want to be in her room and she'll want to be alone. Sometimes she wants to sleep alone. Like she has, she knows already this feeling of, of wanting alone time. And I want to help her cultivate that and continue to honor that as this precious thing that that actually is spending time with yourself, the joy of that. And, um, well, this is my chance. (laughs) So that is what's happening in my life right now. So what it means is I go tomorrow, I'm going to travel through Panama and then get to Costa Rica and I have a night in San Jose to see friends And the morning, the next day, I travel to Santa Teresa, which is up north, and I've never been there. And normally when I go to Costa Rica, because I used to live there, it is my second home, and I have, you know, friends that are family there, I always go to the same place. We always travel to the South Pacific. And 
we always go to the same place. I mean, we, we've been looking for land in Costa Rica for the past five years. I mean, eventually it's, it's a dream of ours to have a, a second home there. Um, but this time there's something about this feeling that I have inside of, inside of me right now that I just, I need something new. I want to go and have a new experience. I want to go and have a, an experience where no one knows me where I get to just really be the version of myself that I am right now without having to adapt to any old relationship, if that makes sense at all. <laughs> I don't know if it makes sense, but there is a part of me that's just really longing to, to f- feel like myself. That's it. That's the, that's the, the wording I'm looking for. It's like, I want to feel like myself that is why I'm going on this trip. I want to sleep in, you know, and all that. I'm going to do so much yoga and oh, it's going to be so beautiful and swim and rest and drink tea. And, you know, I'm going to be in the jungle and breathe amazing air. And I'm so excited for that, but I want to feel like myself. And it's hard as a mother, it's hard as a wife, it's hard being in this small, tight family dynamic to remember who you actually are. You know, like when I'm not mom, when I'm not wife, partner, boss, friend, daughter, like when all of that falls away, like what's left? And I think I chose a brand new environment just because of that, because I want to be in a space where I can just sit with myself, you know, the way I am now. And the way I am now is not the same version of me that I was a year ago or even, you know, earlier this year, so much has changed and shifted. And I have this feeling that whatever, (laughs) whatever grand epiphany is wanting to come through, I know, I mean, I know it's going to come my way this coming week. Of course, of course, I know it. I know it. And I'm just now speaking these words now compared to beginning this podcast 45 minutes ago. That guilty feeling that was in the front of my brain has has taken a back seat. Like right now as I speak, I'm going to feel different tomorrow. I think so. But it's taken a back seat and I'm starting to just feel really 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 excited. I mean really really excited. Oh, I just got goosebumps. Wait, I'm going to Costa Rica for two weeks on my own. Did I just spend 45 minutes like complaining or or worrying about it on the podcast? (laughs) Should I start over and (laughs) re-record? Oh, you know, whatever it is that you are feeling guilty for right now is this is such a good practice for me at least it's a really good practice that the thing I'm feeling guilty for what do I want to model for my kid right Glennon Doyle I mean if anyone's read Untamed everyone has read Untamed I love what she shares about being a mother who sacrifices herself versus being a mother who chooses herself and it's like we teach our kids by what we do And do we want our kids to grow up being human beings who sacrifice themselves for other people, who are martyrs, who are like lying on the floor, letting everyone else step over them just so that they can like be this old idea of a good mother that does nothing for themselves. It's like, no, 
that is not what we want to model for our kids at all. And probably that little voice in the back of our head that tells us you shouldn't go out with your friends. You shouldn't go to this yoga class. You should, you should, you should. Chances are it's not even just your voice, right? It's the conditioned narrative passed on to you from this fucked up society that has taught us for hundreds of years that women are not supposed to do the same things that men do that dads can go and do what they do and enjoy it, feel no guilt. Part of it is also, I think, like the dads can just relax and know that all of our, all of us moms, like we got it, right? Dennis doesn't leave me with a list. <laughs> Here are the vitamins that she takes every single morning in like a perfect list describing each one and what each bottle looks like. Yeah, I, I'm doing that. Dennis does not leave me with recipes of what kind of healthy foods to make to avoid buying like vegan hot dogs. Like I do that. (laughs) Dennis does not leave like a calendar of things to remember. I mean, I'm like, obviously micromanaging the shit out of everything happening at home, knowing full well, he's going to throw that out the window and they're going to probably eat popcorn for dinner and she's going to have the best time (laughs) ever. (laughs) And I, I wanna, I don't wanna put myself in that place where I am somehow uh, a more important parent because it's not true at all. And being that person that everyone relies on, it's also, it's, it's also this thing that I enjoy. A part of me really enjoys it. I get to fix and do everything my way, and so and so. And it's so good for Dennis to be alone with her throughout this time. Like so good for them and for their relationship, and for him to just figure shit out. Like I, it's, it's, it's an experiment for sure. So the next time you feel guilty about doing something for yourself, remember that by doing that, you're modeling for your children, how they can choose themselves too. And that's the kind of parents that we want to be. It is. And if you don't have kids, like whatever it is that's holding you back in that sense, or the person you feel like you have to be there for all the time, It's also implementing that energy in every relationship, right? Eventually our people will will grow to expect us to take care of us first, right? So they'll become less of a crutch. They'll become, they'll lean on you less when you choose yourself more, not the other way around. And if anything, if this, these past two years have taught us anything, it's that we got to do what we got to do. We can't procrastinate our well-being any longer. And fuck it, you know, if the opportunity presents itself for you to do something amazing for you, like tell your inner critic to shut the hell up and go do that thing. (laughs) God damn it. I'm going to Costa Rica tomorrow. I can't sit here talking to you any longer. I got to pack. I got to get excited. I I, got to stay excited. (laughs) So I'll be talking to you next week from the rainforest. And um, I'm really excited about that. Thank you so much for supporting me on this beautiful thing I'm doing for myself. I hope you do something beautiful for you this week too. Have a great rest of your day and I'll be back next week. 
Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. And of course, thank you to my sponsors. Please support them the way they support this podcast. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studio. And if you enjoy the show, please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. Available now for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, and wherever you normally get your shows. I'll see you next week. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.